Why does Christianity celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ on December 25th? How did this day become a day of importance to the Christian religion? In fact, why do many of the Christmas traditions exist? Join our host, Bill Petrie, as he answers these questions. Christmas is fast approaching, and it makes me wonder how many people really understand what it is that is being celebrated. Most people think that it has to do with the birth of Jesus Christ, and that he was born on December 25th. But I am so sorry to disillusion you. One thing that most historians do agree on is that Jesus most definitely was not born on December 25th. The early Christians did not celebrate Christmas at all, nor for that matter did they even celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. They had very little interest in the true date of his birth. December 25th, however, was celebrated by early pagans for centuries before the birth of Christ and it was celebrated to worship the birth of a new son. Collier's Encyclopedia relates December 25th as the day the Romans celebrated the Mithraic feast of the sun god, placing the birth of Christ on a date to conform with the pagan birthday celebration of the sun god is a case study in how far apostate religious leaders will go in their efforts to fuse together truth and error. By the 5th century, there were a lot of divergent dates given for the Savior's birth. January 6th, March 25th, April 9th, May 20th, and November 17th, to mention the most popular. The date of December 25th was fixed upon when the Bishop of Rome asked his sages what the sanctioned date should be. They settled on December 25th. The overwhelming vast majority of historians agree that December 25th was chosen because that date was the winter solstice under the Julian calendar. It is important for us to note in the year 1582, the Gregorian calendar, which is the one that we use today, was adapted. It was a little different from the earlier Julian calendar, and the date of the winter solstice changed from December 25th to December 21st. The worship of the sun god presiding over many lesser gods was very prevalent in the Roman Empire. The Emperor Aurelius had decreed the old Persian sun god Mithra to be the principal patron of the empire. They celebrated his birthday on the date of the winter solstice. It was this pagan religious cult which fostered the celebration of December 25th as a holiday throughout the Roman and Greek worlds. The winter festival was called the Nativity, the Nativity of the Sun. 
In fact, the winter solstice was the time at which all the sun gods from Osiris to Jupiter and Mithra had celebrated their birthdays. The celebration was adorned with evergreens. Yes, the Christmas tree is a carryover from paganism. All you need do is to just read Jeremiah chapter 10 in the first five verses, or Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 2, or, for that matter, 2 Kings chapter 16 and verse 4. And the wreaths of Adonis, which were symbols of life, the holly and mistletoe of Saturn, the symbols of fertility and life, along with the drinking of toasts from wassailk bowls, which was the forerunner of our eggnog, the exchanging of gifts, the feeling of geniality among the populace, and so forth. These were all pagan celebrations of different pagan sun gods on December 25th. The Emperor Constantine helped bring December 25th into Christendom by choosing Jesus over Mithra as the one to celebrate. The festival of the sun god's birth, with all its tra traditions, was transformed into a celebration of Jesus's birth. Therefore, Christmas, or more literally, Christ's Mass, was adopted by the Roman Catholic Church during the 5th and 6th centuries as a part of Rome's consistent pattern of assimilating paganism into the developing church's life. Often we will hear the admission that December 25th is not really Christ's birthday. However, this is often followed with the statement that we do not really know when he was born. But this is not true. The fact is the scriptures do indeed inform us of when Christ was born. Scriptures also will shed light on why December 25th has been so universally a part of pagan celebrations of the sun god and what part it really plays in the purposes of God. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, reads the following. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. We see that Zacharias was a priest. When his course of ministry in the temple at Jerusalem came, he was found there faithfully discharging his duties. It was at this point 
he learned that he and Elizabeth would be the parents of a special child. This child would be the one who would be great in the sight of the Lord and who would go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. That's Luke chapter 1, verses 15 and 17. Luke chapter 1, verses 23 and 24 also give us this. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, so we note from Luke chapter 1, verses 23 through 24, that after his service in the temple, Zacharias traveled home with the good news. He lived in the hill country, some 30 miles south of Jerusalem, according to verse 39. We know that Elizabeth conceived John at this time. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 state, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 35 and 36 state, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. Six months after the conception of John, the angel Gabriel announced to Mary the supernatural conception of Israel's Messiah. Behold, thou, you shall conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. We know scripture is very clear that Jesus Christ was conceived and thus born six months after John the Baptist. If we can fix the time of John's conception, we can then easily pinpoint everything else. Believe it or not, I have already read the verses which will identify this for us. Let me read Luke chapter 1, verse 5 again. There was, in the days of Herod the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abaya. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And then verse 8, And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. Very clearly, Zacharias was in Jerusalem, ministering in the temple during the course of Abiah. It is important for us to note that Abiah is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Abijah. Names are often spelled differently in different languages. An example would be Elijah. In Greek, it's E-L-I-A-S. 
but in Hebrew, E-L-I-J-A-H. Noah is another name like this. In Greek, N-O-E. In Hebrew, N-O-A-H. First Chronicles chapter 24 tells us of the arrangements set in place by King David for the ministry of the priests in the temple. There were to be 24 courses or divisions when each priestly family would serve in the temple at Jerusalem. Each course lasted one week. Second Kings chapter 11 verse 9 states, And the captains over the hundreds did according to all things that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And they took every man his men that were to come in on the Sabbath, with them that should go out on the Sabbath, and came to Jehoiada the priest. Second Chronicles 23.8 states, So the Levites in all Judea did according to all things that Jehoiada the priest had commanded, and took every man his men that were to come in on the Sabbath, with them that were to go out on the Sabbath. For Jehoiada the priest dismissed not the courses. So we see clearly that the that each priest would serve in the order of his course for one week every six months. Each Israelite male, including the priests, was required to travel to Jerusalem for the three great pilgrimage feasts of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. So David instructed that each week between Passover and Tabernacles, and between Tabernacles and Passover, a different family of priests would serve in the temple. Then three weeks out of the year, all the priests would serve together during Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. <clears throat> First Chronicles chapter 24, verse 10 states, The seventh to Hekaz, the eighth to Abijah. According to this passage, the course of Abijah was the eighth in order. Eight weeks after the Passover puts the course of Abijah in the middle of June. This would be the time that Zacharias was serving in the temple, and he had the conversation with the angel about the birth of John. After Zacharias's week of service, he then traveled the 30 miles to his home in Judah, and at this time, Elizabeth became pregnant with John. So John's conception would be in late June. It was in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy when Gabriel announced to Mary the conception of Jesus. We would count six months from Elizabeth's conception of late June to arrive at the date for the conception of Jesus Christ. That would be late December. The conception of Jesus was in late December, around the time of the winter solstice. 
that would then make the birth of Jesus to be late September. The miracle of all this is not that the birth of Christ, the birth process itself was perfectly natural. It was a normal birth. The surroundings were touching and instructive, but there was nothing unusual in the birth itself. The real miracle is found in the fact that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin. Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23 state, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Note the phrase, the name Emmanuel. God with us. The one who Yahweh calls his equal is with man. Zechariah 13 verse 7 states, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, says the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn my hand upon the little ones. The word fellow in Hebrew, amayath, means a kindred man, an equal among associates. We read that this Jesus is called God by Yahweh and will possess a throne through the eons. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8 and 9 state, but unto the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is for the eon and eons. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. Notice the phrases. Your throne, O God. Therefore, God, even your God. We know that God came in the likeness of sinful flesh, according to Romans 8.3. And he came to save sinners, according to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. God the Father declared through the prophet in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. This was all done because God was in Christ, conciliating a world unto himself, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus Christ is the most unique person in the entire universe. He is the manifestation of divinity. Colossians 2, verse 9 states, For in him, 
speaking of Jesus Christ, dwells all the fullness of divinity bodily. Jesus Christ is the one mediator between God and men, the bridge between God and men, an incapability of ever dying. He has stepped out of all of that into our world. And he did so to set forth the profound truth that he is a God who loves us enough to enter into the events of human history, into the events of our lives, all through the person of Jesus Christ. Many believers have been correctly troubled over the use of the birthday of pagan gods, December 25th, to honor the birth of the one true God. But once we recognize the central truth of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the real miracle is the conception, a conception which took place on or about December 25th. It becomes obvious that the pagan winter festivals are only satanic corruptions of a pre-existing marvelous truth. We are free to use this time of year to give thanks for the miracle, which is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 states, This is a, a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4 state, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, but which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. What a fantastic thing resulted from this miraculous conception. Christ came to save sinners, and that salvation is given to us freely by just simply believing the above gospel. We indeed are free to celebrate at this time of year. What we celebrate is the freedom that was won for us by Christ Jesus, a freedom that was made possible by a conception far beyond human comprehension. God indeed gave us a fantastic gift. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 states, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, if for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Good day and God bless.
We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast. Thank you.